She's All That. Hi, and welcome to the She's All That video podcast. Today, I have with me Mary Chan, who is the longest awaited guest I've ever had on my show. We've had to rebook three times. This is, this was, you had to show you really wanted it, <laughs> but we made it. We're here. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for being with me. Thank you for inviting me. And finally, the, the audio gods have said, today is the day. Yeah, I don't know what was wrong about those other days. But <laughs> let me just give you a little bit of background about Mary. Mary is a podcast strategist. She's a voice coach and she's a voiced over artist. And she has a 20 year radio career in which she taught hundreds of radio announcers and small business owners on how to read a script and how to bring it alive on the page to make their voice the key to making an emotional connection with their listeners. And her podcast production company is called Organized Sound Productions, which she founded in 2018. Mary has her own podcast, The Podcaster's Guide to a Visible Voice. And I'm telling you, not a word of lie, this is a must listen for podcasters old and new because Mary drops some amazing intel strategy and insider information on everything podcast. Mary, again, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk about this thing. We're both podcasters, yep. but th this is your jam is teaching people how to do this. So just to get into some of the notes that you would give me around your career and what you do with people, you said one of the things that you're often asked to speak about is how podcasting is a powerful tool to build credibility and influence. Obviously building credibility and influence is something that every business person needs to be thinking about, but how does podcasting achieve that? It achieves it because you are constantly going to be talking about your passion, your why of your business, what it is that you love to do. Having your own podcast means that you can then really distill down all the nuances and really showcase the, all the knowledge that you have around your topic and your industry. So how do we turn that into influence? Well, because, a lot of people are out there doing that sort of thing on lives, but how does yes. podcasting turn it into influence? Because when people, when people do things on lives, it's stuck on that platform. Your Facebook live stuck on Facebook, your Instagram lives. Not everybody is on Instagram. Not everybody wants to be on Facebook, but with a podcast, you can be everywhere. And especially on places like Google you know, the number one search engine in the world. If you Google something, your podcast can come up. So then people will then start seeing you more and more and realize, oh, oh, you have such a great expert knowledge on this particular thing. It becomes your own free publicity platform. And people will then will hear everything that you have to say, they'll start from the very, very beginning, instead of like on your lives, you have to kind of search for what things that you know, the previous episodes that you've done on yeah. the lives. While with a podcast, if somebody finds your podcast, and they listen to the latest episode, they're going to go back to your back, ba uh, your back catalog to listen to everything, and they will binge your content. And that yeah. is where the influencer stuff starts. Yeah, I've, I've often had people say to me, because my, my thing is helping people become a guest, and they say, well, I do my lives, and I, as you say, I do Instagram lives. That stuff disappears like foam on the beach, you know, like, <laughs> boof, it's here, it's there, but tomorrow, yep. who can find it? This stuff is out there, and not only is it findable, 
those big distribution platforms are actually pushing that content out at you actively. It's not a pay to play like the social media platforms are. Yeah. And the thing I love as a podcast listener is it comes to you basically like on your phone, yes. how I listen is on my phone. And if I've followed a podcast, the notification comes up and then it, oh, it's kind of like the reminder of, oh yeah, September's podcast. There it is. I'm going to listen versus the lives. Well, they're scheduled. Do I have to put it in my calendar? When will the algorithm tell me that the live is there? My Facebook, I tend to don't get these notifications ever. It seems like it'd be like five days later. And it was like, oh yeah, that happened. I forgot about that. So you're not stuck to the social media algorithm. You're not locked into that. Where with the podcast, it shows up on my phone. I see, I can decide when I want to listen to something based on my schedule versus here's a live. I'm kind of forced to listen at that time. Kind of in addition to that, one of the things that I find the indexability of, of these pieces of content as opposed to social media, if I somebody did a live on, on Facebook and I go over there and they've got 16 lives and they haven't put notes in any of them, there are no titles, there are no notes, and it's like almost identical thumbnails for each yes. one of your lives with no indication as to what you're talking in either of them. Like I, But I see that you spoke for an hour and 15 minutes. I'm not even going there. Whereas podcasts are nicely framed on all of these enormous distribution platforms like Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And all the descriptions are there and all your notes and your keywords yeah. and your links are all there. Yeah. So it's as so handy. As long as you do the work to put in those titles, the, dis the description and all that stuff. Because you can easily also hit publish on a podcast and not put in all that relevant information. But that does your listeners know benefits at all or for your own show to grow your show organically. Right, right, right. So speaking of doing the work, comes to my question of should every business have their own podcast? Well, I'd like to say yes. So everybody come work with me. But yeah. no, <laughs> no. And it's just like any other marketing tool that you are thinking about for your business. Is it going to help you drive the goals that you are wanting to achieve? with it. You know, people start a podcast because they're like, oh, it's the newest, greatest thing. Everyone's got a podcast. I should have a podcast. But just because the person next door has, you know, the lush green lawns, it's the whole what what are the uh, the Joneses keeping up with the Joneses? Yes. yes. Yeah. People are just keeping up with the Joneses and they don't know their why anymore on why they're doing things. So no, not every business should. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you and they don't know their why. And so in some cases, I find even asking that question. So what are your goals? What? Why are you doing this? What do you see achieving mm -hmm. with this one? I hadn't thought of that. Yes, exactly. So, so what do you do if someone comes to you and they're dead set? That's it. They're going to have a podcast and you're the one to help them with that. But you realize all that groundwork is not there. Yeah, it it's the same question that I ask too. It's like, okay, great. I do have people come to me. Sometimes they'll even say, I've already recorded an episode. I've bought a microphone, but now what do I do? What do I do with the stuff? How do I get it out there and all of this? And I go back to why? Tell me the reason that you wanted to start this podcast. What was the spark? What was the idea? And then from there, we can drive the how you were going to do this. Because a podcast is not 
the same from one to the next to the next. Each podcast is so unique and different, and that is the beautiful thing about podcasting. You are the host, you are in the driver's seat, you are creating this content and how your show wants to be. People equate it to things like radio that, you know, I worked in radio for 20 years. There are some similarities, yes, but podcasting is not radio. Back in radio, there was a program director, a boss that says, you have to talk about these things. These are the times you are going to talk at. You can only speak for 30 seconds or less. Everything was given to you versus a podcast. You can talk for however long you want it to be. You know, some people say, oh, how long should my podcast be? How long do you want it to be? <laughs> how long do you think your listener would like your podcast to be? And the content will drive actually the length of the podcast. It doesn't matter if your podcast episode is 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is. What is the content driving and making sure that your content is the best that it can be? So long-winded answer to your question of, uh, you know, what do, we, what do they do? Well, we got to get into the, the nitty gritty of your why. Yeah. Now, when you had mentioned that in radio, you actually have a producer who's already done all the strategy and the analysis and thought it all out. And there's this map thing. You, not, not to say you just have to, but you didn't have to do all that mental work to come in there. Somebody's already done that for you. How, yeah. how nice. That is actually one of the, 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 the obligations of having a podcast is you have to actually think this through because really nobody wants to just listen to you bibble and babble on for half an hour when you could have like wrapped it up in five minutes. Exactly. So that that's something you have to keep in mind as somebody who's going to do a podcast. Is that ever an issue with people? Do you find you set them up and they just don't know how to actually well, communicate? Yes, but you know, part of working with me is setting you up on how to communicate, figuring out what your content is. You know, sometimes I have this one extreme example, but uh, one of the services that I offer at my company is that I also do podcast editing. So he went out and decided to uh, record the episode. Great, go-getter, action taker. Uh, had some technical difficulties, had a bunch of stuff that was recorded that didn't need to be recorded, ended up being at about over two hours of raw audio. So oh this is hit, hit start, end, stop, right? Sends me the audio. I was like, <gasps> ooh, this is going to be a good one to edit. So by the time I cut out all the things, that technical difficulties, the restarts, the figuring out uh, what he wanted to say, what his questions were, all of that stuff and cutting out the content that wasn't needed. Yep. It ended up being a 35 minute podcast episode. And how long did it take you to ep edit it? <laughs> That's I'm a in different my head. story. In my head, I'm <laughs> estimating, I'm thinking six hours, eight That's, hours. Yeah. Well, because you kind of, what people don't often realize is like, well, you just, you just go edit it. No, first you've had to listen to the entire thing to get the gist of what the person was saying. And then yeah. you've got to consider, and if it's two hours, well, you probably don't remember every single word they said, and go back and okay, like as you say, figure out what were the topics yeah. and what can come out. Like that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work, and you know, editing is 
an art form as well. And a lot of people always say, oh, I don't want to edit my show because A, it might take up too much time. I mean, when you host your own show, not only are you the host, you like we said before, you're coming up with the content, you got to market your own show, you got to be the editor, you know, and if you don't have the financial resources to hire out, say, to have an editor and things like that, it can take a lot of time to create mm. this one episode. So then people think, oh, I don't want to edit it because it's going to take too much time. Or as I don't a, have the money as for a it. listener, please, please yes, edit your exactly. episode. Exactly. That's the thing, though, is like, and even when people say, oh, it's an interview podcast, I just want it to sound natural. Well, you know, if you listen to any of the bigger podcasts out there, there is some editing. You just mm -hmm. don't hear it. And yeah. that is the beauty of editing. Yeah. They've already taken out all the little things that is going to be either distracting, um, it's not needed. Uh, there's things like paper wrestling, you know, you'll have your notes for your show and you're wrestling all your papers while you're thinking about the next question. Things like that should be taken out because it is a distraction for listeners yep. who, if your traditional podcast is audio only, mm -hmm. and when you don't have that visual element to help listen to help listen along mm -hmm. then all those things are so distracting and yep. people then tune out because that hour-long interview that you thought sounded natural becomes grating to listen to if it yep. isn't even the slightly little bit edited down yeah absolutely i mean what the <laughs> I want to get into the whole thing of audio and why that is such an entrancing medium and mm -hmm. why it is so powerful. And and it is just that, like, it is one of the, well, it's the first sense that we have as, you know, in the creation of our, of a human being is audio. It's so powerful. Yeah. And people will listen to a podcast four or five times longer than they'd ever watch a video. Like these, these are numbers and yeah, there, there are stats. Um, Edison Research, they always do uh, consumption um, stats. And one of the consumptions is uh, podcast listeners will listen to, on average, around 80% or more of an entire episode. Yeah. So if your episode is an hour long, you know, they're listening to almost yes. an entire hour of it versus the YouTube stat is, you know, people listen to what the what or watch on a YouTube video, the first 30 seconds or so they don't actually consume the entire video, no matter how long your video is. It's a very small consumption rate. Mm. So podcast listeners are so, so loyal to the shows that they do listen to. So when you do get a fan, they usually become a fan for life. And you're not gonna get that fan if you did not edit your podcast and they <laughs> yes. listen to it the first time. It's a very intimate, we don't think about it, but having your earbuds or your headphones on and going about, because usually people multitask and they listen to the podcast while yes. they're doing something else, which is why they stick with it so long. They don't wanna keep changing. Yeah. And if they start hearing really annoying audio stuff, like they're not going to emotionally engage with you. They're gonna turn off. They will stop and find another show. Yeah. So yeah, the editing for sure. You don't want to interrupt that very intimate yeah. relationship One you have the, with your the listeners. I love talking about the intimacy of audio is another reason is think about your own listening habits. As a podcast listener, what are you doing when you are listening? So doing the dishes, housework, running errands, commuting in the car, you know, pre-COVID, driving around, mm -hmm. uh, walking your dog at the gym, but also places like the bathroom, mm -hmm. 
your shower. Oh. People listen in those places. Where else can you invite a stranger into your bathroom with you? Yeah. (laughs) Right? So that intimate feel where listeners trust the host so much. And that, again, is part of that influency piece we talked about right off the bat. Mm -hmm. They trust them so much that they are taking them with you wherever they go. And these earbuds, when they're listening, your voice is in their head head. Uh, you are in their head. Yes, exactly. And so this medium is unlike any other medium. And I think we saw a bit of that influence earlier this year, you know, in the pandemic with uh, Clubhouse coming up and all these other mm. audio only. Now they're starting to morph with, well, you know, we'll add a video component to it. But there was a real thirst for instead of the, the visual audio overstimulation of Zoom of videos, yeah. To just be able to listen to someone, hopefully intelligent with something interesting to say, as they expand upon a given topic. That is, mm-hmm. That's what people are looking for, and podcasts are blowing up because of it. Yeah, the long-form audio, because people want to dive deeper into perspectives and opinions, and not just the usual, you know, on the news, they'll just have the quick 30-second clip of an interview of the expert. But the expert is just spouting off these sound bites that Mm -hmm. the newsrooms are looking for. With Mm -hmm. a podcast, the long-form audio, you really get to explain what you mean and to talk about all the nuances where listeners are really craving that they want to know more about people they want to know about your background and your story and where you came from because they could relate to that and they want that connection that relationship with you and that's what a podcast is great for yeah so people will come to you you vet them you're like yes this is what you need to do what are some of the first steps you need to take with somebody after you've cleared their why <laughs> to, to verify that, yeah, this is probably, this is good for you. This is going to work. Not only clearing their why, but also clearing their goals. What is the whole goal of the podcast? And if you come to me and you say, I want to be the next Joe Rogan and have 10,000 downloads. Well, we're not going to be uh, working that great together in our relationship. <laughs> Because I want, again, it's about that why, your passion. What are your goals for the podcast? Is it to connect with your existing listenership, your network? Is it to grow your network? What is it that you want your podcast to do? And from there, then we can get into the technical things. Like if you haven't bought a microphone yet, which microphone will best suit the room that you plan to record in? And is that room that you're planning to record in convenient enough for you? Like I've had clients where they said, oh, well, I've heard that I should record in my po- in my closet. So I'm just going to make a space and just get in and out of there whenever I need to. I'm like, well, if you're not making that microphone convenient for you to easily access, you're probably not going to hit that record button as often as you would like. Or I've had somebody else say, well, this is my office. This is where I always am. So I want to record in here. Okay, great. So let's work together to figure out what is that sound like in your office and what can we do to improve that sound? Because again, with audio only for podcasting, you want your sound to be as 
fast as possible. As optimal, meaning um, not a lot of echo. It doesn't make it sound like you're in this big glass office space. That can just sound like you're in a giant cavern, which you don't want. You want that full, rich, close, intimate sound. So we'll look at different types of microphones that would suit your needs and room treatment if you need it. So and something like that. Yeah. I think I see behind you, you've actually got acoustic panels right there yeah, in your those, recording yeah. space. But you don't need those, you know? They are there to help absorb and to reflect sound so it doesn't create that reverb and echo in your room. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you don't technically need that if uh, you get the right microphone to start with. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, just sidebar on that one, I was actually on a, a networking event on Zoom earlier today, and one of the speakers got on and she just had one of those head mics. Oh, yeah. And the sound was like nails on a chalkboard. And as much as I'm sure she had some really brilliant things to say, if your audio is is not really nice and mellow and yeah. clear, people aren't going to be listening to what you have to say. Yeah. And it's not necessarily which particular mic, it's also about how you use it. So I'm not saying you have to go out and buy the $1,000 microphone. You can get a $100 microphone or less, and it'll still sound great, but it is how you use it. So for example, with this microphone here that I have, it only picks up noise really close around the front. Even if I start moving to the side, you can't hear me very well. It is does not pick up the outside area of the microphone. So you know when you're using this type of microphone, you need to be up, up close. So I like to say the three finger widths. There are also other microphones that will pick you up a little further back. So something like this. Yeah. But with this one, I, I, if I ever used it way back here and to record a podcast, I have to speak a lot louder and it sounds like I'm in a big empty room. Yeah, you really hear the re the acoustic reverb yes. in the room, yeah. yeah. Because I was shouting and trying to make that happen. But yeah. if I just spoke in my regular tone of voice and not needing to shout, I need to be up close a bit more to make sure this microphone picks up my voice. Hmm. So it's not just the the type of mic, but knowing how to use a microphone as well. So as, as I had mentioned at the outset of this episode, you are all about the audio. But I want to get into one of the interesting aspects of audio that you deal with, and that's your website and your bio says that you empower women to find their voice, to reclaim their voice. And okay, reclaim would intimate that they've lost it. The stereotype is that women do all the talking anyways. You know, guys are always talking about how like, oh my God, can't get a word in edgewise. Why do women need any kind of special help from anybody to help them find their voice. What's going on with that? Yeah, that's something that I've come to notice when when I was in radio, I found a lot of the small business owners that would come in to read their scripts. The it tended to be that the women wanted just more nurturing to help them lift the words off the page basically. So it made it sound like they weren't reading they were just more self-conscious and then they wanted as, it or they or you recognized they needed it a bit of both okay and as i you know i i left the radio industry started my own production company and realized with podcasting it was almost the same thing where people would say oh i want to i want to have a podcast but i i don't know if i 
I have the voice for it, or if I have the right things to say. And the more I researched into it, and the more I read, it has to do a lot also with the fact that our history, way, 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 way back in time, men did all the talking. Women were never allowed to speak. And if they were, it was only for minute, trivial things. Mm-hmm. So I think when, with all of those generations layered upon women, they, we, we still have trouble speaking up and saying what we need to say in front of other groups. So when women get together, it seems like it's fine. It's a good place for us to chat, to really share our thoughts and feelings. But when we get to the idea of, oh, wow, this podcast will reach more than just women. It's going to, it's out in the world. And that stops people's voices mentally and physically. Yeah. I was being a little facetious earlier when I asked the question, you know, like if women do all the talking, uh, a statistic I had seen was that in interpersonal, like I, I say within a couple, the woman will talk 75% of the time, but when it comes to a, you know, all gender meeting and, and a business situation where there's power and decisions and statements that you need to stand by, men do 75% of the talking yeah, and women do only 25. So yeah, when it comes to actually yep. getting up and making your statement and taking and a stand, yeah. Yeah, somehow we've internalized this thing. It's, uh, it's not your place. Yeah. So or, if, that, if that's the thing, how do you help people with that? Well, it's also showing them that, hey, you should have a podcast. If you take a look at the top lists or wherever you find these, these top 100 lists of podcasters or whatever, they're all men. Most of them are men. Very, very few are women-hosted shows. So Why? Again, it comes back to the media, where a group of men have decided what looks and sounds good, and women were never the hosts. Even if you look back to traditional radio, television, women were always seen as the sidekick. We're here for fun and looks. We don't have anything important to say. But right? we'll giggle, we'll giggle uh-huh. and come in. We'll giggle and we're like, oh, that's so funny, yes. Yeah, yeah. But since you want to stand out in a crowded marketplace, you should have a podcast because then you are being shown as a woman with a brain. Yes. <laughs> as simplistic as that because there aren't a lot of women speaking up. So it, it sounds, myself, when we're talking about like why this situation has come to be, it sounds like there'd be some really deep decoding and recoding of thought around this. How long does it take you to help somebody actually start to feel comfortable using yeah, their authentic voice? Right. And that starts really from within. I mean, I can't say it'll take you two weeks or six months or whatever, right? Because it's always going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. And everybody has something different behind their voice that they're ne- they're going to need to overcome. So for example, myself, you know, I came from a traditional Chinese household where my dad and mom immigrated from China and Hong Kong. I was born in Vancouver. So I had this duality of 
I'm a Canadian, I can say whatever I want. And then my parents saying, no, you are a girl, you are not allowed to speak up. I was the youngest of three. My brother is the oldest, he is the most important. You just stand there and serve the tea. So even me, I had to get through that, right, I can use my voice, I can ask for help, I can be the person who directs the conversation. Before growing up, I had the whole stigma of I can't direct anything, I'm just gonna say yes, and thank you and please and speak when I'm told to speak. So it's still it's coming out of that and learning how to get around that and knowing too that when I was a little girl, like in this virtual space, I you can't tell I am a five foot one, quite short, small. And when I was a little girl, I always spoke in that same little voice, because that's how people always saw me. They saw me as cute. And so I spoke like this all the time up until my young adult years. And then I went into radio school and I had to record myself and I realized, oh my gosh, I sound like this. No wonder people always thought I was 12, even though I was 19. And I, I had this voice because that's what everybody said I was, that I was cute and that I should wait my turn when I speak. And so when I reflected upon that, and went through radio school and figured out how to use my voice and stuff. This here, my chest voice is my true voice, my heart voice. This is how I sound. So I'm no longer being seen as the little cute girl. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, this, this is truly who I am. Not this cute little girl that was unsure and would say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll speak when you want me to. Yes. It's owning who you are yeah. and then being able to release that and connect with who you truly are again. And again, that is one of your talents. You're a voice trainer. You teach people how to actually use their voice. Are people sometimes surprised when you identify that you're not actually using your voice correctly? Yeah, I. but usually but by the time they come to see me, they know something isn't true to themselves, they can't put their finger on it. Or if they've researched a lot, they'll say, Oh, yeah, I have, I have this lisp, or I, I say things in a funny way, or they'll Google a term and say, it's is this what I like what I hear when I speak and, you know, like, I, I'm not here to be a speech pathologist, to make sure that you get rid of the lisp in your voice or whatever that is, right? I am about figuring out who you truly are and how you want to be represented through your voice. Whether that be for podcasting, whether that be in a business meeting or your own personal relationships. You know, everyone has a different voice based on who they're speaking to. You know, when I speak to my mom, it's not this voice. <laughs> Really? Right? Really? It's it's a little different because I still feel like I am that little girl. So I, I do go back a bit into that. Um, but also because I speak Cantonese. That is my... Oh, uh, with your mom. With my mom. Uh. So then I slide into, into that persona of my voice. And when I speak with, you know, my husband, it's more relaxed. It just it's the same sounding voice yeah. but it is a total different uh, emotion it's the emotion behind your voice what emotion do you want to connect with with that listener that is that you're speaking to 
Now, when, when you're applying your voice training along with, I mean, blending all these skills and these expertises to, to be helping people with this, when somebody's decided they want a podcast, but when they start to record themselves and so oh, often yes. people are mortified <laughs> when they hear yes. their own voice for the first time, does one, does that make a lot of people want to change their mind? And two, how do, how do you help people get over that mortification? Yeah. So one, uh, yes, sometimes they want to run the other way and they're like, I can't do this anymore. And then uh, to get over that is again, going back to your why, the passion behind it, and that will get them through that hump. And then the other part uh, is... How do you get them past that when, if they've decided, yeah, all right, I guess I can try okay, to get right, over right, this right. way yeah. I hate my yeah. boys. How do you get them to the point where they, they start feeling like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I like it. And the same, like what I touched on before, it is a journey. The beautiful thing about a podcast is that you do have to record yourself. And if you decide every single week, if that's your schedule, then you do have to practice every single week. And the beauty of the podcast is that each episode, you learn something along the way. And then you take that from that episode that you recorded, you learn, and you take that and you apply it to your next episode. And then the key thing is to listen back and not listening back for all the nuances and all the things that you think you might have done wrong, but just listen back as a listener, not as a critique of yourself. If you were to listen back like a best friend, what would your best friend say to you? She wouldn't probably wouldn't say like, oh my gosh, your voice sucks. That was so grating. No, your best friend would say, Maybe something like, oh, I really like how you talked about this, this, and this. I like how you presented this aspect of that. And, oh, I didn't even know about that point of view. That is so awesome. You know, like that's what your best friend would say to you. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're listening for when you're listening back to your episode. So a lot of podcasters, they end up hitting record and then just hitting record and hitting record and hitting record for each episode. But to get out of that voice that you personally don't want, you have to listen back and know how to have empathy for yourself and to critique yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's particularly challenging when they're solo episodes. Yes. Now, I mean, my podcast is an interview podcast. Uh, and it's, it's actually, I, I enjoy it. When somebody comes to you and they say they want to have a podcast, have they already decided whether it's um, going to be like co-hosted or an interview or a solo? And how do you steer them and what criteria do you use? Right. Yeah. A lot of the times they'll already come to me with an idea of what they would like um, or how they would like it to sound. Usually it's in comparison to another show. They'll say, oh, I really like this show. So I want it to sound like this. So whether that be interview style, solo, they never really thought about that. They've just thought about, I like this show. So I want it to sound this way. And then we get into, okay, one of the main things I get into is also who is your ideal listener? What does that person want? Although it is your show, you are creating a show for that ideal person. So would that person want to only hear interviews and perspective from somebody else? Or are they here to actually want to get to know you, love you, and to eventually work with you? And if so, you'll probably need a couple solo episodes as well. Are you comfortable with that? How are we going to get you out of that comfort zone? And then we kind of snowball from there and figure out, okay, 
Is that what you want? Is that what your ideal listener wants? Or how can we meld the two together? And like yeah. I said before, too, you know, you podcasting is so great because there are no barriers. You are in control with whatever you want to do. So I've even had times before where a client will say, oh, I'm just, I'm just not sure, but I'm really comfortable with interviewing people. I'm like, great. Let's just start with interviews. Do interviews for a while. And then if you hear the need, start getting feedback that people want to hear more from you solo wise, then let's start integrating some solo episodes in because you are the owner of the show. There is no big media boss saying you have to do it this way. So do whatever you like, you know, you have that creative freedom. Test yeah. something out for a while. Don't just nilly willy change things all the time. But whenever you do make a change, figure out why you're making that change and how that will impact your listener. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you with the whole idea of um, if you're used to doing interviews, the idea of doing solo. I've done a few solo episodes, but particularly because my show is video and radio it's so much more laborious to do a solo video podcast <laughs> than to just do an audio one that I tend to do that for. Yeah, I'll just interview people. Yeah. But as you said, you know, like, are people coming to get to know you? Or are they coming to get to know the guests that you're interviewing? Because I know myself, my my podcast does not reflect directly what I do. But I want to show the world all these amazing women that I'm profiling, mm -hmm. yourself included. But I, I think of when I listen to shows that are mostly interview, yeah, I almost get annoyed when the host wants to do, because I've fallen in love with the hearing about interesting guests. So, yeah, you're not, as a host, you're not really being profiled if you're not doing any solo kind of stuff. People are exactly. more interested in your guests. So what, yeah, so exactly. What is it that your listener wants? And again, what is the goal of your podcast? Figuring out those things will figure out all the other things, the content, the format, how your show will sound. All of that comes after once you figure out your own why and who your listener is. So when you're working with the client and you're taking them through all these gates they have to go through and... <laughs> Is there any one place or a couple of places that you find are most challenging for somebody who's coming from this with, I'm assuming, very little background in the tech and producing audio? What, what are, where are the spots that people tend, you can predict it, they're going to trip up on this, I'm going to really have to help out here. It depends on the person. It really, oh. really does. Because some people are tech savvy. They don't mind the tech at all. They want to learn how to edit their own show. They want to learn about all the different options, test them out, and then figure out what works best for them. And then there's some people who's just like so afraid of tech, can't deal with any of that stuff. So it's no, it's knowing who, the person and then figuring out, like I was saying before, knowing your ideal listener. So in my case, knowing my client, what are their needs and how can I best support them in that? Mm. And then the other, but then I think as more of a general answer for what you're looking for is also when people start a podcast, they don't realize the amount of work Hell that yeah. it takes. <laughs> it's almost another full-time job. Yeah. So 
like I was saying earlier, you are the host, you are the program director, you are the marketing director, you are the content creator, you are the person doing all the publicity as well. And so there are so many things involved in making a podcast that people have a hard time um, organizing it all. If you do mm -hmm. not have attention to detail, it is harder to organize a podcast to make it successful. I mean, you can easily just hit record, hit publish, and the podcast episode will go out. And that's perfectly fine. There are a lot of podcasts out there. But again, if you go back to your goals and your why, you're going to need some systems in place to make sure that your podcasts reach those goals that you've set out for yourself. So, so it's as so it's, say. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of it is the project management aspect because sometimes when you are having multiple episodes on the go, so, so here, here's an example. If you've got an interview podcast, you are constantly on the lookout for guests. So you'll need to know who you've already reached out to, uh, your potential list of people you want to reach out to, who you've already interviewed which ones have already been recorded, uh, which ones have been edited yet. Uh, are you doing a little preamble episode specific intro? Have you written and recorded that yet? Which ones have fully been edited? Then there's show notes and then there's scheduling it to be published. And then knowing when each of those episodes are going to be published as well. You should need, you need to have like a whole calendar to figure out which guest is airing on which date. And reaching out to the guest and letting them know when they're going to be published yep. and giving them the content to help them promote it and use it on yep. their social that's, media. That's all later too. Yeah. Like oh, there's a God. whole string of tasks and to-do yes. lists for yes. one episode. Yeah. And you are never doing one episode at a time. You are constantly uh, creating more than one episode at any one time. So you need a project management system of some yeah. sort. I'm and almost so, envisioning a, like a Gantt chart for all your yeah. episodes yeah. going through there. And that's I what I love using. I, yeah, spreadsheets are great. I love Trello, which is yeah. an online project management system. I know some other clients, they like to use Asana, which is the same. I do have one client, old school, just has a binder with sheets. <laughs> Wow. But that's the way that person's brain works. So however you want to organize, you need some sort of organizational system that works for you because I can push the Trello board all I want, but if you're not great with that visualization of the cards, then it's not going to help you. So whatever you need to organize all your episodes, do it. It will make so your life simpler. Is that something that when, when you're helping someone, I, I would hope I'm putting myself in the shoes of the client that comes to you and it's like, help me get started. That that last nasty unforeseen piece about like, okay, now we got to get your project management in place for that. Is that something you can help your clients with? Kind of yeah. give them templates, help them find the system yeah. that works for yes. them? So one of the great things that I love to do, I have different ways that I help people launch a podcast, but one of the ones is I created a 12-week program. So what I've done is broken down all the little steps. And this is perfect for business owners because as a business owner, we are all busy. We have multiple things to do. We have the actual work. We have to market our business. We have to sell things. And who has the time to research and get your podcast going? Yeah. Really, that's what happens. And yeah. so it's the overwhelm of, oh, what do I work on first? What is the next step after that? And that's when 
I come in, I'm like, okay, this 12 week program, every week we focused on one thing. And all you have to do are the assignments. Check off that you've done these. We have a call every week. We go over any questions and then we focus and move on to the next week, which is a totally different um, part of the program, right? Like you, we, we, we could be focusing on microphones one week. Yep. And then the next week we can work, focus on sound, recording, marketing, editing, producing, project management. They're all in little bite-sized chunks. So you don't have that overwhelming feeling of the big picture of a podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So by the end of it, with the, with the exception of like your, your equipment, you'd only have to do that once, hopefully, for at least yeah. for the first year or so. The rest of it is almost you're giving them the process that they're going to need and yes. it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Pretty much. Like not only... Is it from idea to launch by the end of the 12 weeks, you'll have your show launched, but you'll also have the systems and the workflow in place that works for you. I'm not going to give you a workflow that you have to follow to the T, yeah. you know, because that's not going to work for everybody. Everyone's, everyone's personality and workflow is different, but I give you all the options and tools to figure out what works best for you. You know, I was going to ask you. What are the pitfalls of trying to do it all yourself? <laughs> there I you go. <laughs> if anybody has just listened for the last five minutes to all the things you've just described goes into creating your own podcast and what it is you provide to facilitate that, I don't think I need to answer that question. You should have your answer already. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot of places that could go sideways if you can't anticipate that, oh, I'm going to need this. You will find out eventually that you needed it, but it's yeah. going to be too late. Find yeah. hope. Yeah. And I love the, 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 the reason why I created the program the way it is, is because there are a lot of programs out there that they're online courses, you know, you just sign up, you pay your money, and then they slowly drip the videos to you and you do the work eventually. And most of the time, those courses just sit on your computer, or you work through them like halfway, and then people drop them. Yeah. So I want to make sure people launch your podcast. Yeah. You have an idea. It should be heard, again, especially for women. I want to see more women podcasters. I want to hear them on my podcast listening app. So I've made it so that with after each week where you do the assignments, we get together and it's a one-on-one -on -one call because there will always be questions that come up that will not be in the assignment. You know, I can't cover everything in a matter of a course. You will always have a question that will come up for your particular podcast. Because like I said, you can't compare one podcast to another one. They are all so unique and different. So you're going to come up with a question that won't be a part of that assignment. So you get that time to actually ask it with me and we can figure it out and figure out what will work best for your particular situation. Now, what, do people go through that individually, like private, one-on-one -on -one training yep. with you, or do you offer that in a group scenario as well? That is a one-on-one -on -one specifically, because like I said, there's going to be questions. Each client is so different yeah. that they're going to have their own set of questions. Now, I mean, a lot of people, they will do the group thing, not necessarily for podcasting, but for other kind of coaching and training. And they just kind of assume that, well, there's kind of a general applicability to most questions. So if you get exposed to Sally's question, even though it's not yours, you've learned something from it. Podcasts are just that individualistic. You just need your own training for that. Yeah, well, I find the thing, even when people come to see me, is that they've already done their own research most of the time. 
and they start comparing. Well, I heard on this podcast that they do this. Should I do that? But then I also hear on that podcast that they do it this way. So what's right? That's usually the types of questions I get. And then it's back to the, well, both are right. It's, mm -hmm. but what is right for you? What is right for your podcast? So then we dive deep into, okay, what did you like about podcast A? What is it that you like about podcast B? And what are the little elements that you can choose and use from each part that will fit your show? And then maybe say, you know what? Most of podcast A doesn't work for your show, but this little part here does. So let's take that and put it in your show. And this little piece here, let's take that and put it in show. So it's almost like working a puzzle together to figure out what is going to be your, um, your ideal podcast. That's so cool. You're actually bringing design elements into the, the whole mix, you know, the tech and the strategy, but also design elements and mm -hmm. mi mixing and matching from best. Yeah, because best there are so many podcasts out there. And I feel like in the podcast industry, there really are two versions of po podcasting. There are the ones that have the big money behind it and the big networks. So like um, the big names, the big celebrities, they all have money. While people like you and I, we are independents. We do not have a big company backing us. We control everything and the show is going to be based on our own budgets of what we can afford. So there's two trains of thought. When people say, want to compare to the big celebrity podcasts, well, it's because they have a whole team behind them that mm -hmm. does all of those individual things I was talking about. Independent podcasters, we have to do it all. So we can't sustain a su successful podcast if you did everything that the celebrity podcasts did, right? So we got to pick and choose what will work best for your capacity and your scenario. Mm. I was inspired when you were talking about, you know, like that we need to more women's voices out there, more women's podcasts, and you're, you're turning this out with, you know, helping your female clients get their voices out there. And then I thought, oh, Mary should start a podcasting network for women podcasters. <laughs> Is yeah. there, are you aware of one? Are you part of a network? And do you recommend that for your clients? Yeah, going on a network has its bonuses, pros and cons. So I do know of a couple uh, women podcasting networks. Uh, I like their ideas behind it. I thought about creating one myself, but just not quite there yet. However, the trade-off on being on a network can be that you're going to get exposed to their network, their listenership, mm -hmm. and their audience. Mm -hmm. But also, then you might lose, depending on the network, again, that control of creativity and sometimes your content. Really? So you could be giving something up. And it depends, again, on the network that you go to. Interesting. So they would, they might have restrictions or criteria that you have to abide by. Yeah. For example, uh, if you decide to go with a network and they want ownership of your RSS feed. So your RSS feed is essentially your podcast. It is where your podcast lives. And if they decide in the contract that they want to take that over, if you ever want to leave the network, the show stays with them, not with you. Jeez, why would anybody even go for that? Because they don't know how to read a contract. Oh. Or not realize what an RSS feed is. Wow. You know, it, it's, it's knowing what you own 
and what they own as part of that network deal. So it, it can be a scary place, but not mm -hmm. really, you know, it's, if you just go to them and say, this is what I want, and this is what I'm looking for in a partnership, because mm -hmm. it should be a partnership, mm -hmm. then, um, then it should be all laid out well. But I'm just making sure that if you ever decide, the only piece of advice that I can give about networks is making sure that you always own the RSS feed, which is your content, yeah. the name of your show, and what it is that you do. Wow, that's new for me. I did not realize that somebody could actually, I don't know why the word bamboozle wants to come out, <laughs> but somehow convince you that you should be giving that up. That's all your yeah. creative license. A, a lot of podcasters just don't know that, that oh that God. is their show. And so they think, oh, I'm going to get all this money and all this exposure. Yes, I'll sign on the dotted line. And then when they realize wow. the relationship is going bad, they say, okay, I'm done, or the contract is done, I'm leaving. They're like, great, see you later, but this is our show now, so we're going to find a new host and take it all over. Jeez. And that can happen because wow. that was in the contract. Yikes. So obviously, I think in, in, over the course of this uh, conversation, it is more than evident that you know so much about everything one needs to know about getting started with your podcast, the things to look out for, the systems, the processes that have to be put in place. So you had mentioned that you have a 12-week program. Is that something that people can just access at any time or do you have an upcoming launch? How can no. people get some of that goodness? <laughs> That is ongoing. Um, I, I always have a rotating slots. So people, if you're interested, uh, you can be, uh, you can find out at organizedsound.ca is my website and uh, contact me there and we can talk about launching your podcast. Woo! Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And um, if you want to get it, in, in case you think you might need any more of Mary Jan after this, first of all, get over and listen to her podcast. It's amazing. But also Mary and I are going to be doing webinars in the upcoming dates will be in the notes that are kind of like a comparison of what are you looking at with, do I want to start a podcast or do I want to be a podcast guest? How do I want to take advantage of this amazing marketing opportunity that we've been talking about? So Find the dates for that and tune in for that and definitely get over check out her website and her podcast itself very meta a podcast about creating a podcast but it's yes. it's, it's called the podcaster's guide to a visible voice but if you just look up visible voice in your podcast listening app you'll be able to find it and it's seriously one of the best podcasts about podcasting i've heard thank you <laughs> so mary if there was any last words and somebody's out there they're listening to this and they're kind of like hmm, 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 hmm. Any last words you'd want to leave them with? To just start. I've had so many people come to me and say, oh, I've been thinking about starting a podcast for years. Look, look at my notebook. I have all these notes that I've taken. And I'm like, wow, you've been taking notes for three years and you haven't started anything. Well, those notes that you even took probably last week might be outdated because the industry is ever changing. So you need to just start. And yes, having the systems in place would be great and knowing this and knowing that would be great. But just even hitting record and not publishing it anywhere, if you're even that scared at this point, just hitting record on your own cell phone. Record a voice note, pretend it's a podcast episode and start talking. 
getting used to hearing yourself, getting used to talking in a long form of just your bullet points, of your passions, of your business, of who you are. I mean, people also have a tough time, especially women, talking about themselves and what they do and what they have to offer. So practice doing that and just get started. Just get started. Mary, thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing this ton of knowledge that you've just put out here for us. <laughs> thank you, September, for having me. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Did you know that podcast guesting, being the featured guest interviewed on podcasts, is one of the hottest 2021 ways to build brand, audience, and your business? To get your unique message and personality out there to those who need to hear it. As a podcaster myself and a business consultant, I help turn entrepreneurs into business people who can proficiently and profitably use podcast guesting as a powerful part of their marketing plan. Want to know more? You can download the five-step guide below in the notes, or if you really want to get moving on it, book a call and let's map out how we could make it part of your marketing plan.